If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. The day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. Nikola Tesla. Welcome to the Frequency Shifter Show. I'm your host, Corinne Summers, founder of Artisan Pharmacy. In this show, we explore ways to raise the frequency of ourselves, one another, and our planet. We're digging deep into all things metaphysical, from what is frequency, to the power of sound, the Schumann resonance, our DNA, Reiki, the energy of water, and beyond. All to shift our minds and bodies back into alignment with richer states of connection, elevated awareness, and maximum human potential. And we're bringing on the global experts and thought leaders to share their wisdom as they let us pick their brains around all these juicy, mysterious topics. First of all, I don't know who Ricky is and metaphysical, Schumann's Renaissance. What are you? I don't even know. What are you talking about? Wait a minute. I need us to take a step back and calm down. What are we even talking about here? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention, I have a co-host. The universe insisted. What can I say? This is Alex Terranova, founder of Dream Mason. He's sort of a newbie to some of this frequency stuff, and he's going to help keep everything balanced, grounded, and relatable. So this show isn't just for the experts to nerd out on all things metaphysical, but it's an open welcome space for everyone to explore the mysteries of the universe and raise our frequencies together. Welcome to today's episode of The Frequency Shifter Show, where we're exploring hidden mysteries and ancient wisdom to help elevate our awareness and maximize human potential. My name is Corinne Summers, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex Terranova, as well as today's special guest, Dr. Teresa Bullard, one of my personal um, Idol, somebody I really look up to in this space of metaphysics, and she is a incredible author, speaker, uh, host of the Gaia Mystery Teachings, uh, as well as a PhD in physicist. She's also um, founder of the Modern Mystery School. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Teresa Bullard. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I do want to correct though. I'm not the founder of the Mystery School. I am one of its international instructors. So there's definitely a difference there, but all the other things you said are true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, let's get her out of here then. This we this let's scrap this whole thing. <laughs> this, this, for for somebody, I, I wanna just I wanna understand a little bit more of just for you to give us a little bit more, because if you're not in like I know what Gaia is, TV is, and, and a lot of the things. But if you don't, what are the things that you're educating people, teaching people, and like opening people's minds up to? Uh, well, it's very much about you know who are we, what is our potential, and how can we tap into more of that. So it's it's kind of a process of shifting from being so focused on programming from the world into, you know, really coming to know our truth from within and going through a transformational process of, of 
kind of peeling away the layers of personality and ego that don't serve us and really tapping into the inner gifts, the inner mission, uh, what we're here for. But also I, I do work to bridge the science and the spirituality. So it's about bringing ancient wisdom and yet bringing it into a really grounded kind of approach to seeing how it, it matches up with modern science. But it's not just about a scientific approach either, because if we're only about science, it, it becomes very materialistic. Whereas I feel that the spiritual wisdom uh, really supports to bring in some sense of guidance, deeper meaning, deeper purpose, and so forth. So it's really helping people understand uh, coming into a whole shift of paradigm of, you know, what is this world around us? Who are we? What's our place in it? How can we influence uh, the world around us and so forth? Incredible. So I know one of the ways I actually initially came onto your work was through your um, your YouTube video that I discovered um, from the mystery teachings, I believe, on opening the heart gateway. And you talk a lot about how the heart is actually more, almost more important or fundamental in than the brain. Could you just dive a little deep, more uh, deeply into that? Sure. So the heart actually has um, neurons in its uh, makeup, right? So in the past, they thought that only the brain had the neurons and all the electrical energy that fires off in the brain that causes us to think and uh, to to run all the operations of the body and so forth. But more recent science has been showing that the heart also has neurons in it. And in fact, the heart, um, there are three times more signals that are sent from the heart to the brain than what are sent from the brain to the heart. So the brain is actually uh, almost like a subsidiary of the heart. So the heart is more the primary organ that is driving uh, the signals. It's kind of setting the tone and the direction of everything. So it's sending the signals to the brain, kind of telling the brain what to do. And then the brain is orchestrating and coordinating the rest of the body. But the heart is really um, this central place that we need to learn to tune into and, you know, for example, in, in techniques that people are using today with like meditation, they're learning to quiet the signals, the neuronal, neuronal signals of the brain and just quiet it down so that they can come into a more coherent state. But what we really also need to be focusing on is not just mindfulness or quieting the mind. That's really important. But ultimately, we need to sink even deeper into the heart and come into a more coherent state within the heart, which focuses on positive emotional qualities like gratitude and love and joy, um, optimism, and you know that sense of bonding and connecting with others. So that when we can access that kind of a state, that then really creates this coherent signal that, that runs up to the brain and then from the brain and the heart, it runs into every other part of the body. Uh, so we've been so focused in our society on, you know, thinking our way through things, being very left brain dominant, uh, very intellectual and rational and, and linear logical about things. But m more modern science is showing that the left hemisphere of the brain actually is slower than the right hemisphere and the right hemisphere is more directly connected to the heart and that the heart is just as much a brain or a thinking organ as, as the physical uh, brain in the head is. So we need to kind of learn to, to center into our hearts to guide us in our choices in life. Yeah, and it's interesting that modern, you know, I noticed you say modern science is now 
coming to these conclusions, but wasn't this actually taken from ancient cultures, more ancient wisdom and ancient cultures, um, from what I believe, thought of the heart as one of the primary, you know, this is why we talk about intuition and balancing the heart chakra in practices like yoga and, and meditation and some of the other Yeah. So for sure that I I would say that modern science is rediscovering uh, what ancient wisdom and spiritual practices have known for a long time. And these ancient practices and traditions have known this through more experiential kind of discovery and uh, the, the wisdom that was handed down through that process. And it's more anecdotal, but modern science is now bringing a little more uh, measurement and verification to these ancient practices that have been around for a long time. So, for example, um, in ancient Egyptian times, the, they, didn't, you know, they didn't even really give much consideration to the brain. Uh, in the mummification practices that they had, they would store, for example, the heart and the, the, the liver and you know, maybe the stomach. And so they'd store these other organs because they thought that those were more important organs. And um, the heart, they often talked about that the heart is the center of wisdom within our whole being. Uh, and of course, then we have in various yogic practices, uh, also in Western mystery tradition, we have the Kabbalistic practices where the heart really is at the center of the entire tree of life. Uh, so it, it mediates, it coordinates. It's not just about pumping blood. Uh, it, is, it is all the energy that cycles through our whole being from the spirit and the soul to the physical. It's all going through that center of the heart. Uh, and, and now we even know that the heart creates the biggest electromagnetic field around us. And, you know, today's science has um, uh, the magnetic uh, detectors, the uh, MCG, right, the magnetocardiogram, uh, where they basically can measure the energetic field, the, the magnetic field of the heart, and take images of what's going on within, within the heart through that method. So, yeah. I really am curious, like, and this is, I mean, I probably maybe more of your opinion than, than something that we can prove. I don't know though, but like, how did we go from like knowing so much as, as human beings to like kind of going backwards and now, and then having to like rediscover and relearn it? Well, if you read your history books, you will see that there were times of, uh, great prosperity and a lot of wisdom being shared. For example, the Renaissance time, the golden age, you know, these, these were teachings and wisdom that was very readily accessible and available. It came again in the age of enlightenment in the early 1900s, but then there'd be times where it'd be chased underground as well. And you'd have times of inquisition, you'd have a dark ages, you've had witch hunts, you, you know, and those witch hunts still take place, but on a different kind of way, not necessarily the physical, like, Let's burn them at the stake. But now it's on social media, <laughs> social media, people get you know attacked. You also have within modern science, for example, uh, your credibility is everything, and you get threatened to lose your credibility in your career if you you know kind of step outside of the the normal paradigm. And so there's still you know people's characters get attacked a lot these days if they step outside of the norm or bring forward ideas that are a little bit contrary to the dogma of the day. And so there was, a, a, at least in the Western world, 
there was a time where we had uh, certain religious authorities and also um, monarchs or you know political types of authorities that really worked very in, in, intensely to suppress this kind of information uh, and teachings and knowledge because it was against the dogmas or it was trying to empower people at an individual level rather than them having to give their power to you know some religious authority or some political uh, authority or you know some some monarchs. So yeah, unfortunately, you know, we we've had we've had the knowledge and then we've had times where, you know, just another example is the libraries of Alexandria being ransacked and burned and, you know, the documents uh being called heretical and and then being burned and we lose the wisdom. Uh, but there have always been those who have at risk of their lives have T during those times, they've they've fled and they've hidden uh, themselves, or they've integrated into other areas and cultures and people where they could somewhat uh, have sanctuary or safety, and they then have continued to teach in secrecy uh, in order to propagate the wisdom and the knowledge to a time when we'd be ready to be more tolerant in our you know, more mass society again. And so we're fortunate to live in a time where these kinds of teachings can come out again uh, versus be suppressed. So we have a lot more opportunity in today's world to explore the diversity of uh, knowledge that's out there and also have the freedom to practice how we want to practice. So we're, we're pretty fortunate, even though today's world is also kind of crazy, <laughs> we still have a lot of freedom by comparison to, to past eras. It's, that's, that's really, thanks for explaining that. And you did it like really clearly and in a, I want to say like a really simple way, because I feel like that, that conversation could get really like heavy or, or like intense and, and lose like the actual through line. Um, you said something before that I just want, I think like really makes sense for humans in everyday life. You talked about the vibration of the heart, like in the, the, essentially the electro, the magnetic. electromagnetic. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, when we're upset and, you know, you can't always talk someone out of it, right? Talking is kind of like a right, direct, goes right to the brain kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. But yet, if you hug someone mm -hmm. and you hold them, no words, that's not a brain conversation. That's more of a physical heart-based. People can, whether it be children or adults, right? We know that like people's putting their chests and hearts together, like and holding each other actually has an impact. Yeah. Is that, is that like one of those ways that you would say, Hey, this is how we know it from experiential. Hmm. Uh, well, certainly how we know it from experiential is what we can experience ourselves, um, whether that's on our own or in connection with other people. But certainly there are the practices like I would say when you're giving a hug to somebody who is in a, a place of feeling distress or, you know, they're very emotional and you just give them a hug, it's, it's giving them that opportunity to just breathe and feel safe and you know there is definitely a, a sense of you know if the breath starts to synchronize and um, especially if the person who's giving uh, and, and really embracing the other is really in that open heart space there is a, an entrainment you know in science we call it entrainment where your your frequency 
helps the other person's frequency to start to match or come into resonance together. And uh, there, there's certainly a physical phenomenon that happens with that. And so that entrainment process helps us to connect together. But if the person who's giving the embrace and the hug is themselves not in an open-hearted state, and they're somewhat feeling closed off, and then they try to give the hug, there's also that entrainment that happens too. So it might not be completely supporting the person if you yourself are not in that space to really hold that person in complete acceptance and love and compassion. Uh, so I feel that there's um, one, you know, there's, there's the entrainment of, of our breaths, our, you know, the sense of touch, the energy, all of that connecting, but then there's also the intention behind it and the emotional quality of the state that you hold, which affects your frequency, which then would affect other people's frequency. And we can feel that even without a, an embrace, even without a hug, you know, just by proximity, you know, if you're ever in, a, in an environment with somebody and they're starting to get triggered within their ego and you're starting to to kind of notice that not just through nonverbal but you just all of a sudden you kind of get a, a gut instinct for example that something's you know tense here you can just you know the, the energy becomes palpable in the air between people uh, that is also you know an indication or an experiential way in which we can know uh, that a person's internal emotional state will affect their energy field, which then affects their environment, which then affects other people in that area or that environment. And the more empathic you are, the more sensitive you are to frequency or energy, the more you're going to notice that. So fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I love this idea. You know, I know the, the heart, they say the electromagnetic field goes out four to six feet from the human body. And I love knowing that it makes so much sense when we think about, you know, we've all been in those situations where we're in the room with someone and we can't always put our finger on why, but they maybe make us feel a certain way. We have those, like you were talking about those gut instincts, gut feelings and intuition, um, where we're technically reading somebody else's energy, whether it's positive uh, or negative. And I'm really curious uh, to know from you, when you find yourself in those moments or situations that are tense or, you know, where you have an argument with somebody in your own life or a, you know, something, you, you have that trigger arise in you, what are the top techniques or ways that you shift your frequency, shift your vibration back into one of love or being calm um, and, you know, tapping into that empathetic heart space. Um, yeah. If you have like a couple top tips. Okay. So what's interesting is uh, when I, um, before I got onto my, my path and my journey of, you know, coming to greater self-awareness, I used to be very empathic to those energies of other people, but I actually didn't know that that was other people. I often thought when I would feel that kind of um, pressure or tingle or whatever in the gut, uh, I would think it was me and that something was wrong with me. And so it kind of just unconsciously made me want to close off my body language and shut down. And, um, and it was very challenging. And now, once I had gotten onto my path, one of the biggest things was to come to know myself, to know yourself. And when you come to know yourself, you start to really get to 
be clear about what is your natural state? What is your natural frequency? How do you feel when you're in a place of balance? How do you feel in your body when you're in a place of positivity and higher energy? And then how do you feel when you're feeling kind of down? So you get to really know what is your normal range and normal way of being. Um, but then, so then when you're in a, um, when you're in a, a condition or a, an experience with somebody else, and all of a sudden you have a shift in your energy frequencies and, and the way you're feeling in your body and you, you and yourself, you know, okay, well that I'm not necessarily feeling triggered or insecure about, but all of a sudden I'm feeling as if it's like, as an empath, you can start to, um, realize like, oh, maybe this is what this other person is feeling. Maybe it's their insecurity or maybe their ego has just been triggered or maybe maybe I said something and they're not really uh, receiving it the right way. And so you start to feel that energy shift. It's like your body is a detector for the energy of other people. And so number one tip is you got to know yourself because you got to know what is me and what is not me. Um, when is it my energy and my stuff that's being triggered? And when is it really, I'm just perceiving um, through this sense of energetic feeling um, what something else, what someone else is feeling or perceiving or experiencing. And so that's tip number one is know thyself. Number two, uh, remain calm. <laughs> so it's a, it's a matter of like having cleared out enough of your own personal triggers. Like I've done a lot of work on myself over the years to, to heal those old wounds and triggers and um, sort of false self-images and, and belief systems and just egoic ways of reacting to things. And the more we kind of peel away those layers and do the healing work on ourselves, the more we can come to a place of staying in balance even when other people around us are getting triggered, it's like, well, I don't need to react to that because I have control over my own internal, you know, thoughts. I'm aware, uh, you know, I don't have all these subconscious trigger points just ready to kind of leap up and, and hijack my brain at any point. It's like, I'm much more in self-control. Um, and then too, I always say to just, you know, when you start to feel a stimulus or a sensation or you start to feel that kind of energy start to trigger in your body, uh, pause. You know, once you become aware of it, just pause. Don't react. Just really um, kind of just connect with yourself and say, okay, where is this coming from? Is this me? Is this another person? Is this the environment? Um, is it, is it? You know, so is it coming from within me or is it coming from outside of me? Is it my ego getting triggered or is this something, you know, energetic that I'm picking up on? Is this my soul trying to communicate something to me? Like, where is this coming from? And ultimately, the highest question would be, um, what, you know, how can I respond to this situation in the best way to create the best outcome? Right. So a lot of times our ego wants to just react and we want to lash, you know, if somebody's lashing out at us, we want to lash back and just kind of do this tit for tat thing. But that's never actually going to get us the result we really want. So if we can just kind of pause and say, okay, what is the highest possible outcome here that I really want to see happen? And we connect into like, what is it that my, my soul really wants? What do I really want at a deeper level? Not just what does my ego want to feel, you know, defending like it's defending itself or feel good about itself but what do I really want at a deeper level and then that's like what's the best possible outcome 
or what's the highest result that could come from this? And then what can I do now to actually create that situation to help manifest that result? Uh, because acting from ego, just from a knee-jerk reaction, isn't actually going to manifest the result we want. So then we have to kind of take a little bit of a higher road. Um, so I just, you know, I listen to people without reacting and I might, you know, kind of log those, I, you know, well, you know, you said this, but that's not really, and I might get, you know, sometimes depending on if it's a direct attack uh, or if it's just somebody just in their drama, you know, if, if somebody's in their drama, it's like, okay, well, I can just maintain my own neutrality because I know who I am and I don't need to get caught up in another person's drama, but then I can just hold that space to you know, really help them have a little bit of a different perspective and hopefully get empowered to shift out of the drama. Um, and, you know, so it's really situation dependent, but I think those top three tips are know thyself, uh, do your own healing work so you can get to that place of holding a greater level of balance. Um, and then also uh, when you do start to feel a stimulus or, you know, that sensation coming in, just pause before reacting and ask, what is the best possible outcome I could bring here and what can I do to make that happen? I was looking at your website and one of the things that like really stood out to me for I want to say like 90% of the people that work with me that I come into contact with, um, whenever we talk about abundance, scarcity, time, and I open up and present ideas about like, hey, time is, there's no such thing as time management. Time is kind of this thing we made up. It, and I noticed on your, your website, it, there's, there's a, you have all these little kind of boxes that talk about all these like things that you help people do or evolve. One of them is the become multidimensional. And I love right underneath it says stretch time, think multidimensionally and create efficiency. And then there's another one that says expand. Um, wait, well, I lost it. Um, but there's another one that had, there it is, abundance and manifestation, increase your abundance and live the lifestyle you desire. Is there a way to um, I'd love to really hear about like the time and abundance from your perspective. Like we have such a clear way that we think about it, like in our society, like the general population. Um, and when we introduce these other ways that we can see time, it's very like, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know if triggering is the right word, but it's like, I don't know if people get it. It's jarring. Um, so I don't have like a specific thing for you to touch on, but I'd love to hear about like, what does that mean? Like we can stretch time and like we can think multidimensionally and how you could just change your mindset from being like one of there's not enough to their abundance and there's plenty everywhere. Mm, yeah, that's a lot of questions and topics, but they're all really juicy <laughs> ones. <laughs> um, so let's address time first. So from a physics perspective, time is very relative and it's relative to your own speed. And I could say it's relative to your own frequency. Um, so what I have found is that when you're operating at a higher frequency uh, the flow of time is going to feel very different from somebody who's operating at a lower frequency. And typically when we're operating at a lower frequency, we're going to feel like there's, you know, especially in today's world with how fast everything happens, we're going to feel like there's not enough time to fit everything in. And it's a very stressful experience. Um, and so when we're operating, however, at a higher frequency, it's like, 
Okay, let me just give a personal example. So I used to be very time oriented, very like controlling of my schedule. I would budget all of my minutes out. You know, like in in college, for example, I would write my my schedule for every day of the week. This is what I'm doing between this hour and this hour and this hour and this. You know, it was like every little minute was scheduled when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to go to class, when I'm going to (laughs) go do my homework, when I'm going to go do my exercise. You know, everything was budgeted out for every day of the week. And then, um, and I would get really anxious if anything was ever running late and it would be a very stressful experience. Or if I, you know, needed to be somewhere and I was waiting on someone else to pick me up and they were running late, I would get like really upset about it. Right. But then at some point down the line, as I, you know, again, stepped onto my path and I started to explore more within the mystery teachings and this concept of time, you know, really came up. And, and as a physicist, I look at time and it's like, well, time is relative. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Um, well, it's relative to your personal speed versus, versus some other speed or reference frame. And so um, the more I went along, it, it was, again, kind of letting go of these attachments or these um, ideas of limitation. And, you know, when we think that time is limited, then we are going to feel lack when it comes to time. And then there's going to feel, you know, a sense of stress that comes with that. It's the same thing where if we're feeling limited in our options or limited in our finances and that there's only so much, then, you know, we're going to feel like lack and we're going to feel stress and and those things um, actually cause a lot of worry. And when we're in worry, it's like we have, we, we honestly have an infinite universe. I mean, there's so much energy, there's so much resource, there's so much possibility within this universe, but, but we kind of, we like, it's like you have this hose of energy coming in and we're, we're kinking the hose, you know, we're, we're kind of putting, uh, twisting that hose really tight because of our sense of worry. And in that stress or in that belief system of lack, we actually prevent that infinite energy from flowing into us. And so you go, you take this kind of infinite potential energy and you, you narrow it down to just like a, a couple drops or a trickle that's able to make its way through that kink in the hose that we have created based on our belief system. Uh, so when we can start to shift out of everything is about lack to no, we actually live in in an infinite and abundant universe. Now it's not about, um, whether there's enough, it's about where is the flow and how can I get into that flow versus being in. So instead of worrying about things, it's about getting proactive. And it's like, how do we really shift out of worry into, optimism again. Um, And this goes back to some of the the heart science, the heart math research has um, shown that when we are in a state of stress or worry or anxiety, uh, our DNA literally tightens its coil. It, it, everything restricts and constricts and our muscles do that. We get tense, you know, everything starts to go into this fight flight mode and we're restricted in how much of our resources we have available to us. Um, but when, on the other hand, when we shift into optimism, positivity, gratitude, um, joy, and so forth, and we stay open and trusting of the universe, everything relaxes. Our DNA relaxes, it's coil, our muscles relax, everything in our our system is able to flow and access more of the resources within again. So it's very much um, 
coming to that internal attitude and it's, it's, a, it's a mental attitude and it's an emotional attitude. And so we have to really learn, work to shift from negative programming and negative thinking to positive. And it is, it's the way your mind has been programmed, you know, and that could be based on religion, that could be based on society, it could be based on your, your family upbringing, it could be based on education, it could be based on personal traumas that you went through and decisions that you made about those things that from an early age. But that program has created a lot of restriction within our mind. And we need to now, as, as adults, if we want to really tap into that flow of abundance, the abundance is there. We just need to learn how to step into it. Um, and so that's a matter of, of kind of shifting our frequency out of this restricted state and into the state that can really attune to the abundance uh, that is flowing for us. And then I have found, so for example, as I let go of my attachments to time and having to control everything down to the minute. And I just started to learn to open up and trust more in the universal flow. I found that even if I was running late to something, I would always arrive perfectly on time because I wasn't getting stressed about it. Um, and it's not that I threw time management out the window. I mean, I still have to keep a schedule so that there's some level of we're working with flow, right? So we plan, but we also stay open and flexible to things changing. And we just trust in that flow of the universe. And then everything will align synchronistically to support our plan. Um, but if our plan is kind of coming from a place of control or fear, then that's when things tend to um, not match up so well. And then we need to, to learn to open up more. So in terms of shifting frequencies and multidimensional thinking, uh, that's, you know, one of the things that we explain in, or we, we train people in with uh, the universal Kabbalah system is like, instead of just focusing on one thing or one goal at a time, it's to realize that we are multidimensional beings. You know, so many people get very uh, myopic about, you know, what they're trying to accomplish and they, they put the blinders on and they're thinking about only what's right in front of them. And meanwhile, they're, they're creating blind spots to the possibilities that are over here and over here and, and all around us. You know, we have 360 degrees of possibilities, for example, versus just what's right in front of us. So it's about really learning to open up your perception and your mindset to the possibilities of, of what's there. Um, and, it, you know, it's not just a, a seeing is believing. You know, our, our last couple hundred years has really come into this belief system that seeing is believing. If, if you prove it to me, show it to me, you know, where I can experience it with my five senses, then I'll believe it's possible. Um, but even if you present that kind of evidence to people, some people still cling to their belief system that no, well, that's just, you know, a fluke and, and they just kind of wave it away. Um, but we're moving into this new paradigm, which is a quantum mindset. And in the quantum mindset, it's saying believing is seeing because only when you believe something is possible, do you even make room for it to be observed or to be manifested uh, from that quantum realm. So it's, it's opening up our perception. Uh, and, and as we do, that raises our, our vibration, that raises our frequency, and then you're going to experience your flow of time a lot differently. There were so many questions in there. It's hard to keep an answer short there. <laughs> oh my gosh. You did so well though. That was a phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of the wisdom that you just shared. And, um, 
tips and yeah, inspiration to tackle these things in our own lives. Um, I've definitely had that same ex similar experiences with time and opening up. I was very rigid and controlled and I started to repeat this affirmation to myself. I always have enough time for everything I need. Even when I felt like I had no time at all, I just kept saying it to myself. And it was like, as I started to believe that I always had time for everything I needed, it just, this space was created in different ways. And part of it was me, you know, my changing, my shifting, letting not scheduling as much, giving myself more time. Um, and, you know, as you were saying, things kind of just open up and the, the synchronicities start to happen. So awareness is always the first step, guys. Um, I wish we had time to ask you dozens of more questions, but unfortunately we're, we're about wrapped up here. So tell us where people can find you. Oh, first, our Bodhi, sorry, our Bodhi, uh, Bodhi bonus. So at the end of every episode, um, in as a thank you to our listeners and as a way for you to continue to expand your minds and deepen your knowledge on these topics, um, we have a special gift and video from our guest today. Um, and Teresa, I believe you shared something on um, the twenty your twenty twenty Kabbalistic numerology forecast. Is that right? Yeah. So at the beginning of 2020, I did a forecast for the year based on numerology and the archetypes and uh, some some tarot kind of and how it all aligns. It's a really interesting talk. It's something I do every year. So uh, a lot of it has actually been coming true and the year's not quite yet over. So that is going to be there for free for um, anyone who wants to watch it. And then in preparation, uh, we'll be shifting into 2021. So if people want to also get the access to the 2021 lecture when I give it, uh, which I'll do sometime in January probably, they can then just go to my website at TeresaBlair.com and just uh, enter in their information to sign up for the newsletter and then they'll get access to the 2021 forecast as well. Excellent. Thank you so, so much. So TeresaBuller.com. And is there anywhere else that you want to send people to find you or they can connect and continue to learn more. Yeah. So they can also, if they want to check out my series on Gaia TV, uh, where it's all about looking at, you know, how science and ancient metaphysics unite and also how we can awaken more of our potential uh, and what is our human potential, they can go to mysteryteachings.com. Uh, if they've never heard of Gaia TV, that's probably the easiest one to go to and just get a little bit of a, a sneak preview of things. Um, or if they already have uh, Gaia or they're, they're familiar with Gaia, they can also go to Gaia.com. Uh, or is it Gaia? Yeah, Gaia.com backslash Teresa Bullard. And then they'll see sort of my portal where there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, interviews and then the, the series and so forth that's accessible through that portal. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we'll include all of those links for you guys in the show notes. So make, you, make sure you check that out and connect with Dr. Bullard after, after listening. Thank you again so, so much for being here. It was an absolute honor and joy and privilege to have this conversation with you. Um, you are phenomenal and such an inspiration. Alex, do you have anything else before we wrap up? No, I just want to say thank you. It was uh, enlightening and fun and light. And it was you, you bring a really nice balance of um, depth, but also um, I, want to, I want to say like you hit all the levels of the iceberg. That, that's like right on the surface that we can all get, but then you, you have a really nice way of taking it really deep, but also 
allowing us to understand what you're talking about. So thank you for that. Thank you. That's uh, my aim is to help bring these kind of advanced concepts, but distill it down to a way that we can really relate to it and apply it in our lives. Uh, and it's been a pleasure talking with both of you. You have great questions and uh, maybe we can do another interview down the line. So there's so much more I can tell that we could, you know, dive into together. That would be amazing. would absolutely love to do that. And I agree with Alex. You just have a very beautiful way of explaining all of this. So thank you again. And thanks to our listeners. Great to have you here with us today. And we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Frequency Shifters. We really hope that you got some value, you learned something, and that there's something from this episode that you can take away and use in your life. Who are you thinking of right now that needs to hear this episode? Please share it with them. Share this on social media, subscribe and like and leave a comment. And please, if you have a comment or an idea or something that you want us to talk about or investigate, leave it online and we will go into those and bring you that information. Please like, share and subscribe and we will see you next time.